You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guests. Sorry about that, y'all. I got a rough start this morning trying to get one of my guests on. I had them on and kind of threw me off. So, y'all, work with me. We're going to get this thing started this morning. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, everybody out there. This morning's discussion question is going to jump right in. Is homeschooling better for black children? Hopefully you saw me advertise it this week. Again, I'm just trying to get one of my guests on, so it's kind of throwing off my rhythm here, y'all. Just give me a um, second here. All right. All right, y'all. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get them on. Give me one second. All right, y'all. I think I've got got them on right now. All right, y'all. Sorry about the rough start this morning. Okay, here we go. All right, y'all. Give me, again, just kind of a bad start this morning trying to get my guest on. Got this thing worked out. Again, my name is Montoya Smith, if you will. I got my brother Leo Smith on as well as brother Unk coming on this morning. So we're going to get this thing started and get right into this morning's discussion. Is homeschool better for black? Is homeschooling better for black children? All right, let me get everybody on the air and get this thing live. Sorry about the rough start this morning. Really threw me off my rhythm. We're going to make this thing work. All right, Brother Leo, I know you out there, so I'm going to have you say hello to the intellectual outcast. If you will, thank you for Good being morning, here. Brother. Good morning, Brother yeah. Smith. It's great, yeah. to, um, it's, it's great to be with you all on this important subject. And, uh, you know, I always call it education, slow brain surgery. And so we cannot spend too much time talking about the fundamental element to a man rising from is birth nature, to breathe, to eat, to suckle <laughs> into a man who creates. And uh, that's what we're talking about today, and I appreciate the cup. No, so glad to have you on. Um, I guess from my understanding, Brother Unk, you have limited time with me this morning, so um, definitely changes the dynamic, but it's okay, brother. We will make this thing work. Um, thanks for being on with me this morning. If you will say hello to the intellectual outcast, introduce yourself and give any part of your background as it relates to this morning's discussion. But thanks for being with me, King. Oh man, how you doing, Montoya? How you doing, brothers? Um, uh, appreciate uh, for having me on and, and big up to the audience. Yeah, I, well, I basically uh, homeschooled uh, my children, and today, you know, I allowed them to make the decision when they were ready to stop and move to public school. So. It was a good experience for him. Nah, super cool. So, it was, yeah, when I reached out to you, I forgot you actually had that background. So definitely mm-hmm. cool to have this conversation with someone who, again, has, in a sense, allowed their children to have um, 
you know, that background, if you will. I do hear some background noise, if you will. So just kind of keep that in mind if you're going to be moving, mute yourself, um, if you will. But with that said, um, the way I like to get the show started, again, forgive me, everybody, for my rough start this morning. Didn't get my intro on, but we're going to make this thing work. So with that said, um, Leo, we're going to jump it right back to you. Um, kind of putting you on the spot when I called and said, brother, can you help me out on the show? And this is where we always kind of try to start the show is when you heard the question worded this particular way, can you recall your initial thought or, or some form of that? Brother Leo, did you hear me? Hello, can y'all hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, brother. Yeah, I'm okay. sitting in the house. I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, no problem. Brother Leo, did you possibly mute yourself, possibly? All right, maybe we lost Brother Leo for a second. With that said, uh, Unc, I'm going to turn that question right back to you. Uh, when you first heard the question, is homeschool better for black children? Can you recall your initial thought? Oh, uh, uh, well, I, I understood it to be, um, yeah, anytime you can take control of your children's education. That's if you're dedicated and qualified, it, it can be a very positive experience. If you're not ready for that experience, don't do it. You'll mess them up for the rest of their life. That's what I thought. Okay, fair enough. Hey, that's a fair thought. We're going to dig into that. We've got Brother Leo back on. Uh, Brother Leo, if you will, when you first heard the question worded that particular way, if you recall when I asked you, you know, quickly, say, hey, can you come on this morning? Um, can you recall your initial thought when you heard the question, is homeschooling better for black children? You know, as the father of two, and let me confirm that you guys can hear me. I love to back Yeah, yeah, you're, good. you're loud and clear, uh, brother. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. As a father of two and somebody who has spent a lot of time on education, as a matter of fact, uh, Montoya and some people who listen to your shows regularly know that I'm uh, a political consultant. And I started, I cut my teeth in um, political consulting, actually working on education policy, um, actually bringing uh, Amendment 1 to Georgia, which was the school's choice uh, legislation in our General Assembly. Um, for creating public charter schools as part of a solution to give people, parents, more choice in how they educate their children. And I'm the father of two myself, and uh, they're not homeschooled, but I would say that the success of their education and learning, their growth and their development has largely been because of what um, my ex-wife and I have taught them, that we taught them co-parenting, teaching. We were co-teachers to them even before they even began to uh, get organized and formal uh, education in a school. And we still teach them at 15 and 17. We still teach them uh, more than the school teaches them, even though they're in a very, very good school. And so the responsibility of a parent and the ability of the parent to um, take advantage of their circumstances that might allow them to have the resources that I heard the brother say that to make sure that you can do it the right way, um, to have the resources, to be connected with resources that are external to your household that can give you the capacity to teach. You know, I thought this is very important. Homeschooling is fast growing, and actually African Americans are one of the largest segments mm-hmm. uh, of society adapting to homeschooling. Um, and there's a lot of professional, um, some of them good, some of them not so good, uh, programs coming out there to assist parents in homeschooling. And there's policy making that's starting to happen now that might even give parents the ability to 
you know, redirect their tax dollars. I'm sure we'll get into that later to, to be able to use it for their teaching in their homes since it is, after all, their money. So uh, it's good to see that parents are deciding that, you know, a, a, a child's brain is too precious to waste, and they are taking control of that whenever they can. No, I love it. I'm fortunate enough I got a couple of queens of intellect actually on the line as well, and so uh, I want to introduce Marilyn Odwini, if you will, Queen, thank you for being able to jump on here with us this morning. Um, if you will, real quick, um, Queen, before you, let me introduce you real quick. Tell people your background because you have a specific background with helping parents do this as well. And then we're going to go to break and we'll just get started with this morning's discussion. But um, thank you, Queen, for jumping in here with us, if you will. So, again, say hello to the audience and give me your background. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, can you hear me? Yep, you're coming through loud and clear, Queen. Go ahead. Good morning. Perfect. My name is Marilyn O'Doyne. Good morning. I am a, uh, what I like to say is a veteran unschooler, which is another subsection of homeschooling. Um, I've been doing it for uh, close to 20 years at this point. Um, I'm also the founder of Unschooling While Black, which is um, a group, a community um, for black homeschooling, self-directed learning families, um, children and their families. Um, I have been a, a coach and mentor and a facilitator for um, numerous programs, podcasts, as well as um, conferences for black unschoolers um, over the last few years. And so um, I really am excited about being here to, to talk with you guys. No, glad to have you. And I'll be bringing Jindai, who has also some resources um, throughout the show as well. With that said, we are going to go to our first break and get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion. If you are a first-time listener, I want you to highlight everybody's background on this show is in a different space. we got Brother Unk, whose children did some did some homeschooling and then decided to go to regular school. And we got Brother Leo, who's um, as he said, his kids have never done so, but him and his wife did a lot of supplemental, which I always recommend if you've listened to this show before. And then obviously we have an expert in the space, if you will, with um, Marilyn, if you will. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. What happens when your customers call your business and you're too busy to answer or call them back in a timely manner? You lose that business. Shockingly, 61% of inbound calls go unanswered. But fear not, tchmedia.ai is here to change the game. We specialize in capturing, nurturing, and converting your prospects into loyal customers. With our state-of-the-art communication solutions, no interaction will be left behind. When you miss a call, we've got you covered with automatic, engaging text to keep your prospects connected and eager to choose you over your competitors. Don't let potential customers slip away. Make the smart choice with tchmedia.ai and skyrocket your conversions today. tchmedia.ai is here to change the game. Change the game. Know that we're not anti-school. We're pro a different option. The kids grow up together. Yolanda Chandler and Jennifer Duckworth are the mothers who lead the group and call themselves the Black Homeschoolers of Birmingham. Uh, Jamari. My youngest son lasted until first grade, but he was actually 
uh, a victim of racism in kindergarten, first grade. You know, we had an incident where I just got called to the office one too many times. I was one of those parents who was there all the time. You know, I was actively involved with the school. I knew then when I got to that elementary school and I could see his little face through that glass sitting in that principal's office, that I was not going to give them the opportunity to break his spirit. Right. And that we walked away from that day and we never went back. They told us they've seen way too many scenes like this one at a school in Orlando, Florida. Where police hauled away a little black girl in the first grade after an assistant principal said she started kicking and screaming over sunglasses she wasn't allowed to wear. And they say they're sick and tired of seeing kids running for their lives at school. Our goal is to create a safe space for black and brown homeschoolers to learn, play, and grow. And there's so many of us out there in the community, all over the country. Exactly. <laughs> they also share that they don't like some of the new changes to what's being taught in traditional classrooms. Some of them aren't quite comfortable with their youngest children discussing gender identity issues. And on the other side of the group, there are other parents who worry that schools are now being told to stop teaching the truth about racism in America. And they point to these 23 states that either have new laws on the books or are considering new laws that would make it illegal to teach lessons that were just fine a few years ago about sex, gender, and racial history. I believe the you know, curriculums are is whitewashed. Be blunt. One of those states is theirs where next year lawmakers are expected to reconsider rules that would prevent schools from teaching what some are calling divisive concepts. On September 15, 1963, the 16th Street Baptist Church was dynamited. And these families are offended that teachers could be told not to tell the true story of what happened to black people in Selma, Alabama, or during the Montgomery bus boycotts. Or when former Governor George Wallace famously stood in the schoolhouse door trying to stop the racial integration of state schools. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question is homeschooling better for black children. I have an array of amazing guests um, this morning as we hear a cut that, in my opinion, lays out a big portion of where today's the dialogue will have to go, if you will. As you can imagine, or if you don't know, we are the best in the world at hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. And I think it's really no secret that people have been saying this in a sense about public school education, that in a sense, it is to a degree, we've had these discussions specifically, that to a degree, it is failing our children, if you will, all American children, but specifically black children. That's no secret. We've been kind of mentioning it for years, but now there, in a sense, there's some new legislation coming up where this dialogue is obviously being discussed again. Um, Marilyn, if you will, I'm going to start with you, if you will, Queen. Um, just in hearing that cut, and you being, as you say, a 20-year veteran, understand the importance of molding young minds, specifically young black minds. Um, what in that cut stood out to you, if you would, Queen? That it sounded almost identical to my story and what um, really launched me into um, 
into this path. Um, my son was, you know, entering the, he was in kindergarten, and that's about as far as he made it um, in the school system. And just, I mean, literally, it could go word for word with, I made the decision one day um, that they were not going to break my son's spirit, and I pulled him out of school that day, and we never went back. And um, so really, and, and not just my story, but so many of the families that I've known and worked with over the years, it's just a, uh, you know, that's the conversation that we're constantly having. It's a pattern that happens to so many of our families. And only, you know, this small margin, it's a growing margin, but a small one that actually feels empowered enough to make that decision that I'm going to take charge here, you know, and I'm not going the system, you know, destroy my child or our children. And, you know, I feel like this is a great opportunity to allow more of us to kind of understand the, the, the benefits here and be able to feel that same sense of empowerment, you know, whatever your choices are around school and knowing that you have the power in your children's education. Now, I love it. Brother Ankh, you said something key when we introduced you from the from your perspective that, um, in a sense, if this is a decision that a parent might want to make, um, it you kind of I think if I understood you correctly, you kind of need to know what you're doing versus if you take this path and don't know what you're doing. I think I heard you to kind of the way I understood that is you can obviously get different outcomes based on you as the parent's ability to, in a sense, do this in a way, way that is beneficial to your children. So because you offered that dichotomy, just kind of want to hear your your thoughts, especially referencing that aspect of, you know, you may want to homeschool, but in a sense, are you qualified is what I think I heard you say. Go ahead, King. Yeah, it is. Um, and how you doing to the sister? Um, so if, 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 you, if you're already um, in a position where you can't distinguish between uh, misinformation and disinformation, you actually do your kids a disservice and trying to educate them like that because cause then what you do is you're, you're not really giving them the proper tools to compete uh, with, with the rest of the world. So if you like uh, promoting a whole lot of conspiracy theories and just it's going to really mess the kids up. So you, you have to be scientifically literate, financially literate, and, and, and understand what education really is. So if you go into it with, with just wild ideas, it's going, to be, it's going to be trouble. So at the end of the day, uh, the first understanding of, of education should always come from the home, and I know that's not, that's not uh, feasible for everybody. So that's what we actually run into trouble. The responsibility of educating your children has always been on the parents and, and how you deal with it, meaning like even if they go to school, you have to be a willing participant the uh, parents-teachers meetings, uh, how much money are you giving to the schools? Well, if you don't have enough money, are you there? Are, are you figuring out what type of curriculum? Do you have a group of parents that would promote having certain curriculum? These are, these are all the leeway you actually get in public schools. If you just sit back sending your kids to school, then, of course, you're going to get, you're going to get the bare minimum. You're going to get what you get. So, so parents also have to uh, be willing participants in the education. Now, when you, when you do it home, then you really got to be super sharp. You got to be. You got to know what, what the curriculum is, what type of curriculum you want to promote. Uh, uh, what's your target? Okay. What's the you know what? How the rest of the students uh, are doing in that in that particular area or that demographic 
All these things are very important. I know for me, it was rough at first, okay? Uh, my wife, uh, she has a, a master's degree. Um, but just trying to find different books, try, trying to get through certain conspiracies we had now, it, just, it was a lot of work. And, and I guess at the end of the day, what we settled on, which was actually a great program, and that was the um, 12K program in Georgia. They got an excellent homeschooling program. And and when we settled on that, it, it made it easier, and, and it was right and exact for us. So, you know, it's if you take that that move right there, I suggest people, uh, uh, you know, if you got if whatever city you in, whatever state you in, they they probably already have uh, homeschooling programs. They're gonna give you computers. You're gonna get a certain amount of money, and I and I think that's that's probably the best move. No, thank you for that. Again, personal experience and perspective. Um, Leo, if I can jump you all the way back to the cut again with your background, very curious to anything in that actual cut that stood out to you, because, again, I think it sets the stage for why this dialogue is necessary, as you also mentioned prior to the break, that black children specifically, we actually are the largest group entering into homeschooling since the pandemic. We are the largest group making that transition. So, again, um, anything in that cut that stood out, considering that our children, that parents are starting to make this decision even more and more as we speak. You know, actually, Montoya, I want to first congratulate you and uh, give you props for the quality of commentators that you have on your show this morning, both the sister and the brother, uh, impeccably qualified to speak on this issue. And, and, you know, so so often hosts don't have people who actually can bring integrity and credibility to a discussion, and I just want to thank them and you for, thank you, sir. Um, um, for, for arranging this conversation with yeah. us great people. Um, you thank know, you, this is, is, it really is so important, and as um, the brother was mentioning, there are lots of resources out there that can help you frame it, and I appreciate the cautiousness that, um, an experienced homeschooler or an unschooler um, are, are sharing uh, because you do need to go into this with, you know, strong consideration of whether or not you're equipped time-wise or whether you have the emotional um, discipline to be able to deal with a child as they learn um, in, 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 a, in, a, in a more structured context and whether or not you're willing to do the work to present the resources to them, as the brother mentioned, Georgia has a great K through 12 homeschooling program. Many states have this. You just have to do a little, little research to find out about it. Um, and then there are resources to help you. In the policy environment that we're in now, there's opportunity to grow those resources. I'm sure we can talk about that later. So you can find support even financially. There are programs from programs like that 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 really focus on different types of education, from Afrocentric education to uh, maybe civic responsibility education to Western civilization education. Uh, the classical models are starting to gather, gather a lot of interest in people. And, and the school that I have helped plan, I've, I've planted two schools in Georgia. So, you know, our, our sister said something about the environment that you often end up in, in schools can be hostile towards learning, um, towards uh, a child's uh, sense of dignity and esteem. And that's extremely important. I think that's more important 
and the mm-hmm. developmental aspect of a child and any, whether or not you have the rudiments of math, uh, language, et cetera, um, are they supported emotionally? Are they supported as an intellect? And is truth presented to them? One of the schools that we started was Atlanta Classical Academy, and, and our pledge, our pledge at this classical school is, I will learn the truth. <laughs> I will do oh, the good wow. and I will love the beautiful. That's our pledge. That starts everything. So when things are going on in the political world, when people are, like, debating about, you know, what sort of education should you teach in school or out of school, I love hearing um, Sister Adwaini, um, Marilyn Adwaini, say that, you know, look, truth is important to my child, even if it's difficult to wrestle with. And what really is, and, and, and this is, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm let me just, I'll just make it plain and y'all can take it however you want. One of the things that, you know, I've often said to folks about education in general is that we need to teach children to love challenge because mm-hmm. truth can be challenging, but then the way that you wrestle with that truth teaches you the skills of resilience and of critical thinking, of the ability to do a scientific method to explore um, and to test your hypotheses on life. That's where really, really evolved learning happens. And the way that what's happening in public schools and this political battle and this cultural battle that's going on in public schools, I've said to governors, look, what you're proposing is that anything challenging should be avoided in schools. Now, they can put that back. And so, in other words, if a white kid is challenged by uh, a slave, uh, a, a slave uh, history in America, and that makes them feel bad, that's actually an opportunity for their growth and learning. But what's happening is that's being turned around, and, and black kids and their interest in real education and truth in education is being seen as disruptive in school. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. That's what's happening. But what we should be focused on is everyone learning the truth. And the the teachers and the administrators should create an environment where the skill set for wrestling with the truth is also taught. And and that's what both these folks on this call are talking about. Um, I certainly spend a lot of time at the school. Um, I love how the brother said, look, if you're not giving a whole lot of money or time to the school, then your kid probably is going to get less attention, and that is true if your kid is in school. And so one thing about homeschooling is you know that it's on you to provide that kind of resource to your child, and you know that that will happen. So you have to make a decision on what you can provide. How much time can you spend at a school? And if you can't, follow up with these these people on this call today. Another one is I, I go to Anika Prather out of Johns Hopkins, had a, um, uh, John Hopkins University. She's a, a black educator who does a lot of homeschooling leadership. There's all kinds of great leaders out there, and I'm so happy you're having this discussion. No, thank you for all, you know, really all of that insight. And, again, yeah, again, at the end of the day, when we say, is homeschooling better for black children, if you are a first-time listener, uh, what you don't get on this show is necessarily a goal of us telling you which way to go or my personal opinion. That's why we have the diversity of thought here with the people in different positions. And so because it's a dialogue for anybody listening to maybe – help them make a decision. And also I want to offer for anybody out there listening, you can also call in and ask again, people with real life experience in this area at 
646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. And you can press 1 if you actually want to speak or ask a question to our, our, our experts here, if you will. Um, Marilyn, I was curious uh, when I heard um, Unc really highlight that hey, he was able to get things in order for his children when he counted him and his wife settled on as he said, a great program here in Georgia, if you will, and in everyone on the, everybody in, in this discussion is talking about there are these all these resources. Um, but I can imagine for you, somebody again that's a twenty-year vetting veteran that's all the way, went all the way to unschooling, and we you know we may we won't get into the definition of that now, just so it won't take us on the sidetrack or whatever, because we've done shows about unschooling mm-hmm. as well. Um, but just me guessing with your background. Um, and, and, and as hands-on as you are, not only with your children, but to actually start a group, um, or do you have concerns with, in a sense, even the programs that are maybe standardized by the state versus how you want to teach your kids? I'm just curious to hear what your thoughts that are. Um, you can keep it quick, if you will, because i got to get to another cut, if you will, but just wanted to kind of, I was just curious about your thoughts when you heard that. Yeah, no problem. Um I really think it comes down to what the parents and the family makes of these programs because um, just kind of making the distinction when you are are using the programs that are provided by the states and the districts, um, that's more um, in alignment with with schooling at home and isn't necessarily like traditional homeschooling as it's considered. But it still is the most important part is that your children are at home and that they are within the safety of the family. Mm-hmm. And you can make use of those resources that are provided by, you know, the, um, by the state. And at the same time, you can use that opportunity to, to not only be protective of your children, but to make sure that they are learning the truth and that you can use those resources in a way that makes sure that, that it's in alignment with whatever your, your ethos is. So it depends on the parent, you know. So it's no, you know, presented on face value you know mm-hmm. there are some you know issues with that but the parents are are what is, is really key here and how they facilitate it and you know what they do with that information now it makes sense and i'm gonna say this before the cut um i love how um lee and you just kind of mentioned it again presenting that truth um again as you keep speaking to that and leo highlighted that's the most important thing yeah at the end of the day whether you're homeschooling or not um there is an obligation to try to deliver some version of not just the truth, but ultimately for their esteem. And so I know that is always the battle for a parent who may not be happy with their school system. Ultimately, typically that is, is the esteem of your child being taken care of. And I agree with Leo, that is the most important aspect, whether you can, you know, you know, two plus two is pretty easy, but when you get to algebra, maybe you can't teach algebra. But at the end of the day, if your child is esteemed, that's more important to whether they can do algebra. And then I'm, and I'm not saying not I'm not saying one or the other. I'm just agreeing with Leo in the importance of that's what matters most. All right, this cut right here comes mm-hmm. from um, Candace Owens. Just some thoughts, and I definitely want to get all of my panel's thoughts on it. Again, we we can't have this discussion without the politics of it because again that's what's driving a lot of our um, black parents to make this decision and so we have to talk about it from that perspective as well so um, when I play this cut Leo I'll actually start with your with your um, commentary afterward all right if y'all are tuning in and listen close 
and get your three cents coming after that, and I'll get my sister Jindal to give us a thought on this as well. Send your kids to school for free. By the way, it's free. It's free daycare. Not free. Costing your child's mind. Right now in this country, the state is winning. The Department of Education played a very slow game. Maybe it started with some feminism, right? Climb the corporate ladder. Why are you staying home and making dinner, right? Well, then what are you doing? You should want to be just like a man. Get to work. Get a nine to five. Get a title. Get a C title. Be the CEO of a company. You are winning as a woman if you are just like men. Climb the corporate ladder. And now all of our children are orphans. Now we have no other option, right? Because we have to go to work. The state played a very slow hand. If you're sitting here wondering, what do they want? What's the purpose of this? I think about this all the time. Why would the state actively want to create a bunch of children who know nothing, who are failing at mathematics, who don't even know science, right? They're being told to, at the same time, trust the totalitarian science that tells them that they have to mask their faces, but also not to trust science like biology, which tells them that there are two genders. They have kids running around thinking there's 26, 27, infinite genders. They can be whatever they want when they wake up. They're actively teaching children to know nothing. And why? I'll tell you why. Because what the government wants is a bunch of passionate idiots. They want useful idiots. That is the reason why right now in this country we have never, listen to me, ever handed out more degrees. And yet the kids, every generation, are getting dumber and dumber and dumber. I'm talking about standardized tests. You can look at them. The kids are getting dumber and dumber according to standardized tests, which is why the government is saying we need to do away with standardized tests. It's a form of racism. It's backwards. To even ask children to sit down and to grade them is a backwards white supremacist system because they don't want you looking and realizing that actually your kids aren't coming out any better or smarter, but they are coming out woker. The point is for them to be a part of the system. The point is for them to get to college and to be convinced that because they are holding a meaningless degree in gender studies, in LGBT studies, have you checked, by the way, what you can major in? It's incredible. It's incredible what kids can major in today. Nothing like the hard academics of yesteryear. Don't think these kids are signing up because they want to learn about engineering. Nope. Now the bulk of it is environmental policy, idealism. These kids are going to school and they're getting degrees, and when they come out of that school with a degree, a degree in environmental policy or a degree in gender studies, they are met with the real world, and those kids will realize that they can't make any money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Esteemed guest on with me this morning, this Discussion is homeschooling better for black children. Leo, we're going to jump right in with you. Um, any thoughts? Because, again, I think it, um, this is, again, when it comes to education, and you made this point, um, just the, again, just highlighting that truth, that, esto, that ethos, that esteem of our children is what is most important. But the unfortunate reality, education has been politicized for many of years, and we're currently at that point as we hear Candace Owens' version of some of the issues currently that I think are driving kids of all races to consider, you know, should I be sending my children to public school because they get into 
ideas versus just specifically learning, if you will. But your thoughts on what you just heard, King? Yeah, brother. I, you know, let me just start out and preface um, what I'm about to say with first also presenting some truth um, because it's important to understand uh, the source. Uh, we teach um, when we're teaching people to do research, um, to go to primary sources, and, and the primary source of information about Candace Owens, who we just heard from, is that it's important to know that she is a person who is profiting from the culture war and uh, that you should look at anything that she says within the framework of she's being paid to create a certain narrative to support a certain cultural war that is both politicized and uh, commoditized. And so it's important to hear that first. Now, let me say this also, that even so, sometimes the, some of the best uh, disinformation campaigns also include some truth. And Absolutely. so for my, my, most of what she said right there is actually good truth. And uh, as uh, and so so she she is right um, there. I don't agree with her that the government schools are what's happening there. What what needs to be understood is that the schools were created. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize schools weren't created to actually make your children evolved, esteemed, happy, right. uh, able. They were created to make sure that they had a standard education that gave them basic ability to learn how to follow orders at work. Exactly. Now, that's the, very key. The, 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 the law requires that we give children a commensurate education. It is a basic, lowest common denominator education that's required. There is no requirement that your child actually becomes a great learner. So no, very key. That is why, so that is why a school can have a three percent graduation rate. That's why a school can have a you know a two percent math competency uh, score and stay open and nobody stops them from operating because the law doesn't require that they absolutely learn. And so Candace is wrong in the sense that she somebody's she moving in the background. Whoever's moving, can you please mute yourself? It is coming through loud and clear on the show. Please mute yourself. I'm sorry, Leo, go ahead. But so so Candace is is, is is the the government is not so much complicit as there's also the role of capitalism in engendering the type of social strata that would allow capitalism to take advantage of people who aren't as informed about their ability to operate within that capitalistic system. And part of that is becoming a creator yourself so that you are uh able to fully exercise your um, right to liberty and to, to pursue pursue happiness, which means that you can uh, you know take your God-given talents, your the things that you have learned from the universe, and actually learn how to live more freely in that universe. That kind of education that I just mentioned just now to learn how to freely operate within the universe, it is not. Parents need to understand the schools don't have a responsibility to teach your children that, not public schools. No, absolutely. And that's, and that's and, why and, and, the homeschooling becomes important. So Candace is right in that way. Now, and, and to simplify what you just talked about, um, being able to develop those skills, that is technically the concept of, quote, unquote, higher education. That's where that happens. So you're right. It should not be confused. And it definitely should be understood at a basic what schools legally are required to do. So it helps settle or should help settle um, 
what your expectations should be. It also should add to why you have to supplement at a minimum. Um, Brother Unc, I know you only have a few more minutes, so I just wanted to kind of get your final thoughts um, before I um, I, I understand you need to go. So I want to definitely respect your time as well. But your thoughts on um, what you just heard, if you will, King. So, I mean, for me, uh, it was a lot of truth and falsehood strangely mixed. So, yeah, it's hard to, it, it wasn't very coherent for me. It, okay. it, it was just, she, she just was basically just making, uh, just talking points. So, for me, that's not, that's, that's not a good way for me to comprehend and learn. But what I will say is most people, and you just said it, are confused at, one, what primary schools actually supposed to do and what's their responsibility. A lot of the stuff you, you, you're going to get at uh, institutions, high learning, and, and, and that's when you'll get into the, the, the history of the slave trade. Uh, it's, you can go to the library and really get the things. You know, we make the statement, we say that the, if your history is hidden in the secret vault called the library. So no one hid nothing from you. You just got to go dig it out. Uh, uh, slave trade, meticulous records were kept, and you can seek them and get them if you know how to get to that. So we, we, we need to just really understand, first of all, by law, right, you only school for four hours a day. That's it, four hours. But, but our kids are in, this, in the program for eight hours. That's something to actually think about. So for me, the Georgia homeschooling program was spot on. I think we, we may have lost. We may have in and out for a second. Let me let me get, let, jump back to when you said the Georgia program was spot on. Your phone jumped out for a second. So if you can okay. jump back to that point, yep, yeah, right when you said it, Georgia was spot on. If you can kind of recall what you said after that, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Georgia homeschooling program was spot on because it gave your kids scientific literacy. And see, that's the gem. Once you got scientific literacy, then you can determine what's approximately right and what's approximately wrong. You can determine what your civic duties are, right? That there are certain duties as an African-American that you should be aware of. There are certain duties as an American that you should be aware of. Your community work. How should I fit my community? All this comes through scientific literacy. And so I'll never forget when my daughters had a class on religion, and they gave it like you're supposed to give it. They, they taught it. Like, oh, Christianity was like a cultural thing. They, they dealt with Islam, Christianity, Judaism, and then African religions. And they simply put it in this cultural context. They didn't make Jesus real or not real. They told the story, and they told it to you in the cultural context. Like, mm-hmm. if you wasn't from that area, then maybe that wasn't for you, right? But, but the way they treated the subject matters was in line with the scientific method. And that's the strength of the program for us. Right, you add the stuff that you need to add, but that foundation of scientific literacy and, and financial literacy—if we push the kids towards that, we're not going to lose. Right, you just not—you you can't lose because you—you're aware of everything around you. I just want to kind of, you know, put that out there and why that program was so strong. No, I love it. I know you got to go, so appreciate those thoughts. I really, really do appreciate those thoughts, King. Thank you for your time, if you will. Yeah, I'm going to sit here for a minute. I'm listening. Go ahead. Okay, you still on? Right okay, here. cool. Well, let, yeah, just let me know when you got to go. I know you, okay, I just want to make okay. sure I was respectful of your time. Okay, sounds good. I'll keep you on. Okay. All right, if you will, Marilyn. Um, got about a minute and a half before break, so um, any thoughts, and I'll have to get to Jindar after the next break. Um, I'll be playing another cut, too, so we'll kind of go in a slightly different directions. Um, but just any thoughts on anything that you've heard. I, I really love how, 
to um, Brother Unk's point about that basic of just basically the scientific literacy part is the how to learn part, right? Which is what we want our kids to get at a basic and at a. The thing is, if you if your if your if if your school is like one of those ones that unfortunately uh, Brother Leo talked about, you got a three percent graduation rate, then it's highly likely that unfortunately that school probably ain't even teaching them that basic of how to learn. Because to Brother's Unk's point, if you get the how to learn. You don't even necessarily need school, and I'm pretty sure that's a big aspect of even unschooling and some of the stuff that you do. But just, again, just a quick thought on that so I can go to another um, a commercial and another cut. Go ahead, Queen. Absolutely. I can concur with um, what both of, you know, the, the brothers have said is, um, I mean, speaking about the cut with Candace Owens, um, you know, she had her points of truth, but then also a lot of um, disinformation there as well. But when it comes to homeschooling, when it comes to unschooling, the foundation that is set is, um, you know, I consider myself as the parent um, and us as the parents that we are the facilitators to our children's learning. We are there to enable um, their learning because you, it's, it's giving them the skill sets to be able to learn anything. You don't even have to necessarily sit down with one particular curriculum. They're helpful, you know, and they give you a, a starting point and touch points of things that are going to be required for them to know. But a child who knows how to learn, you know, mm -hmm. who is self-directed in that purpose is going to be capable of anything. And, you know, at a minimum, um, that's, that's supposed to be our job. And I truly believe that at the end of the day, after when it, when it comes to schooling, and I know you don't have much time here, but I really want to elaborate on the purpose of what educating our children as black children, you know. Um, I love it. Let's, do that. Let's do that after the break. Let's do that after the break, if you will. Let me cut to this break, and we'll definitely get your thoughts um, coming out of the break, as well as Jen Dyer, who's been on the line for a while. For anybody that wants to jump in, 646-787-169. I do see 1691, excuse me, 646 Seven eight seven one six nine one. I do see some other callers. If you're trying to jump in, you do have to press one. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Uh, a little bit here and there, but but my wife definitely loves her. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wine. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like me a good red or, or maybe a nice dipping deal or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Try the sweet red first. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. That's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey, now try this Conjure dipping deal. This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top 10 drink for the summer. See what you think. Oh, okay. Now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to SipAndShareWines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on, too. Oh, yeah? Okay, you said what? ShipAndShareWines.com, is that it? Yep. Bad. Shout out to Black Level members, Ship and Share Wine. Love the support of the Mental Dialogue talk show as well as the Mental Dialogue Community Club. And highlight 
Next month, we are going to be starting a book exchange and wine club here in the Atlanta area. With that said, this morning's discussion question is homeschooling better for black children? Again, many esteemed guests, um, if you will, I want to jump to in here to get her three cents on anything that she's been hearing, if you want to add to it. And then Marilyn will come right back to you to explain um, the foundation that you wanted to lay out. All right, Jindal, thank you for rocking with us for so long, but um, I'm going to let you kind of vent and get it out because you've been hanging on for so long. So any thoughts you want to bring to the table, please do. I also know that you also have resources as well, and we can kind of – I'll get you back. Just to give you a heads up, we'll get back to the resources in the next hour. So give us your thoughts, and then you can jump to the resources in the next hour. Go ahead, Queen. Indeed, indeed. So I'm on both sides of the pendulum uh, when it comes to homeschooling as far as like the advantages and disadvantages, or should I say mm-hmm. the pros and cons of homeschooling. Um, my eldest son experienced like his first two years in an African center private school up in Tallahassee, Sakar Youth Institute, shout out over there. Um, that was phenomenal, but I haven't been able to find anything else like it. Um, so when we came home, that's when uh, I winded up um, doing the homeschooling. So first and foremost, we were our, our children's first educators. So we were in between public school and uh, homeschooling. So we were full-time in the summer with the help of Kamali Academy. So in the summer, we were full-time homeschool, and then they were doing public school because we both work, right? Um, and then they would get it part-time as school went on. And some of the challenges that I've experienced because I also work in public schools, especially during this pandemic, I'm going to give you, like, some of the feedback of what those challenges were. Um, parents have to work. So they can't just log on. Like a lot of the online homeschool things, there are not many co-ops. Um, in various cities or states um, for the kids to, like, go and be a part of in person. So a lot of things move online even after that. Some of the most structured ones I found are online, not in person, and I feel like the social part is as important as the uh, academic part, right? Um, so then you have parents who are not, like, that's not their thing, like, to, to be that educator, to do, to teach curriculum. Um, that was another challenge. Um, being uh, making sure that the curriculum gets the kids uh, prepared for graduation, right, that structure, being able to whether they decide to go to college or they go into the workforce with some of the other challenges with some of the available curriculum or lack thereof. So as far as the guests are concerned, how do we address those things with the, when you're in a space where you can only do it online? Because if it's online and I work, how do I, you know, how does that how does that work itself out? And or if you're online, like if you have older kids and they can be at school and do the online, they're online for four hours, but then they're the rest of the day they're gaming because I'm not available for them to go do the various, you know what I'm saying, uh, let's say in-person things in the community, and they don't have any peers to do it with. Hey, that's a lot, if you will, Jindai. So I know that so was a lot. But no, no, sense? I love it. I love that it's a lot, and I want to um, let Marilyn, who, again, is a 20-year vet in this thing, I don't know if she heard anything that she would particularly like to address because um, I can imagine that for anybody that's considering homeschooling, again, because of every all the dynamics that are happening in schools, I know parents are considering. So, um, Marilyn, before you go back to the foundation, if you will, any thoughts on um, those challenges that Jendaya is kind of bringing to the table, because I'm pretty sure a lot of listeners got some of those same challenges. Any thoughts, if you will, Queen? Yeah, that's the whole I wonder when it comes to middle and high school. Ma'am, I'm Go sorry, ahead. I didn't hear people 
Oh, I was adding like the co-ops where they where they're able to move with their peers, like interactions, a social piece. I said it kind of dwindles once they start getting to middle and high school, especially. Mm, absolutely, um, and those are all concerns that I hear all the time. One thing that I want to put out there is that um, I think as a culture uh, that we put an undue amount of emphasis on children being exclusively with their peers. And, you know, we're, if our goal and our purpose is to raise, you know, functional adults, they don't get a lot of that benefit by always being around people the same age as them, you know. And one thing that my children and many of the children in my community have benefited from is being able to be around a variety of age groups. Uh, when it came to socialization, I didn't consider socialization being just with other whatever age they were at the time. Um, they went with me pretty much wherever I went. If I went to the libraries, a lot of times I've had, I have parents whose children, if possible, you know, will go, you know, to, to on the jobs with them or if they're business owners, um, if they get them volunteer opportunities. So many places where they interact with people of a variety of ages. A lot of times our children have benefited a lot more from being around um, adults. You know, you find them productive adults in the community. My son for a time was um, was with a uh, 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 who spent his days for a couple of months at a barbershop. You know, he was helping sweeping up and things like that, and he would talk to the business owners there, and that was an opportunity for him to really engage with people in the community and really um, see what adult life was like. And he and they both done that in a myriad of ways. So I kind of want to disengage that idea that socialization is strictly about being around other children. That's important as well. But there is plenty of opportunity to set those things up um, if it's, you know, if it's planned well. But I actually lean more so towards actual civic community engagement for young people versus just, you know, play dates or whatever, you know, the idea that may be. Um, so to me, that's one thing that I think is definitely an important point to make is that socialization is about one. Because when you get a job, when you go to school or whatever, you're around people of all ages. You know, and you have to be able to um, work with and interact. Excuse me, I'm getting a little catch in my throat. But um, so I think that's something that frees a lot of parents up with the mindset that they have to constantly be thinking about, you know, how are they going to, you know, connect them with other children, um, their same age. Um, and that's not something that I would, um, that I would give myself a lot of headache about as long as you're creating opportunities for, uh, for engagement for them. Um, at, 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 with all kinds of people. Um, no, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Let me run, let me, if you will, let me jump in real quick, Marilyn. I want to have Brother Unk mm -hmm. jump in here very briefly because, again, he mentioned having done some homeschooling and when his children decided they wanted to go to school, he let them. So I would also, that may be an mm -hmm. option as well, um, Jendaya, just, mm -hmm. you know, consider. So if you will, Brother Unk, if you can just talk about that transition, again, for somebody running into some of what Jendaya is presenting, that, you know, and I would like to highlight this particular part that she pointed out when she was like, if, if, if my child is deciding to go into the workforce or go into college or whatever, so I can hear how that could be challenging at that space. Like, even with the program, I may have trouble navigating that. So maybe an option is to do like your kids did. Maybe you, in a sense, socialize them back in the school. And I know you, too, are not concerned with socialization as much just from a dialogue you and I have. But go ahead and give your thoughts on that real quick, King. 
Brother Uncle, you still there? Hold on one second. I may have got you muted. Give me a second. Got you back, brother. Uh, you live now. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that's the mistake that everybody makes. Uh, your, your family is always talking about how the children won't be socialized because they're not here, they're not there. And reality, if you just look up the term and delve into it, socialization actually takes place at home. That's where you first get socialized at, right? And 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 the emphasis is that mm-hmm. in these homeschool programs, they have plenty of places for you to go meet up, the kids meet up, and do all types of activities. So you just have to be uh, uh, seriously seeking and actually following the program so you can do that. And so, you know, my children made decisions that they didn't no longer want to be homeschooled based off wanting to play sports, based off wanting to do other things. And I think you should always give them that, that escape route. Now, if you're forcing them to do it, then I always feel like that's going to be a real issue, right? But, but once they get that initial push with the homeschooling, and that, it, it's over with at that point. You know, they're going to far exceed everybody else they run across in their classes. As long as you get them that initial push, right, whether it's six months, whatever it is, that initial imprint, oh, man, they, 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 they do way better than everybody else in school. Like, they have no problem. So, yeah, if, if for me, allow them to make the decision to want to leave because you already got them. Like, there's no turning back from that. Once they get that foundation, scientific mm-hmm. literacy, you know, if, if they were to get on TikTok, they already know that's crazy based off of this, 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 that, and the other. They're going to ask questions. They're going to be seeking. So I just think that's, you know, that's just I love, Yeah, and I love the thought. And I, I think a lot thought. of times we force people. No, I love the thought. Um, Brother Leo, let, let me let you jump on anything you heard. Or went, again, I know you're, you and your wife. No, so yeah, go ahead, brother. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think the socialization piece is huge, and and I love how um, Jendaya is really, you know, she's serious about you know the the challenges of this, so she's keeping it real. Um, And the socialization piece is is really really important. First, I think it's really important that you look at your state and whatever school district you're in, a zone, depending on what state you're in, how you organize education. There are some requirements um, by law that will allow your child to socialize, um, meaning interact with the outside world. And all of that doesn't happen in the classroom. As we know, a lot of socialization happens with after-school activities, with the arts, with performing arts, with music, with debate yeah. teams. And uh, yeah. so keep in mind, like, for instance, at Atlanta Classical, we don't have football at our school. But by law, our children are allowed to play football at North Atlanta High School, which is just a little further north of us in Mm. in Atlanta because we're in the same school zone. So the socialization that you can get through um, acting with sports. So if you don't have a cooperative, you can still get some socialization like that. The other thing about how people interact with the outside world, you know, we can do a whole lot more than we realize. So when you take someone to a museum, and when you take them on a field trip, uh, when you take them out to see, you know, hey, these men are working on construction, you can observe socialization and learn uh, how to interact by watching people do things. So there's lots of ways to teach socialization. I remember, you know, I was concerned about my son, and he wasn't as communicative as my daughter was. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I said, look, I'm not going to accept this idea that boys don't talk as much and that that's a skill they don't develop. So I sort of like said, we need to take him to some junk room. And we'd go to these little places, these play spaces, 
where I knew he would have to interact with other children. I would encourage that. You know, so socialization can happen without necessarily being part of a more organized public group. And, and so I just want to keep that all in mind and that you, be, you, you should look into your options for engaging in the arts community and after-school activities um, that are traditionally part of school environments. Because, you know, again, as everyone's been saying here, you know, a lot of the type of bullying and gossiping and, you know, just immoral discussions, peer pressure, hazing, that, that's called socialization, too. <laughs> right. And that's a right, lot of that right, 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 right. Right, right, mm-hmm. yes, having that full perspective. Um, Jendaya, thank you so much. I'm going to get you back on later in the show um, to, you know, get out some of those resources, if you will. But thank you for beautiful questions to kind of take us in a um, good direction to make sure that we're covering. Anybody else that may want to ask our amazing panel any questions, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. I see some more callers out there. You do have to press 1. Um, a lot of first-time callers do not hear me say this. You have to press one if you actually want to speak because I have listeners who listen just via the phone as well. Uh, we are at the top of the hour. We're going to another break. I will warn you if you have never, if you are not, a, if you are a first-time listener to this show, we are not a politically correct show. So you're going to hear some slightly, not cuss words per se, but some harsh language to dialogue again about the politics and the socialization aspect of what's being input in school for, again, why a lot of parents are choosing to move away from public education. So just be warned. Andrew Tate, if you don't know that name, he speaks pretty candidly, and that is the next cut that you will hear after the commercial. We'll be right back. You're listening to Mental Dialogue, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. The kids alone. If you want to chop your dick off, I have nothing against that. I'm not anti-gay. I'm not anti-transgender. I'm not anti any of these things. What I'm, what I am anti, is propagating your worldview on other people's children. If you're gay and you can't have kids, why do you now believe it's your right to go to other people's kids and tell them how to think? If you've decided that the type of sex you want to have will prevent you from recreate from procreating, that's your decision, right? You've decided that having sex with women isn't worth it for you. You don't want to have children. You want to have sex with men. Fine. Your decision and you're entitled to it. That does not give you the entitlement to go to other people's families who did decide to have children and raise them and try and program their children. Leave the kids alone. You can be as transgender as you like. Don't come talk to my kid about it. That's my child. 
I will program my child with my worldviews. I raise them. I pay for them. They're my kids. They're not your kids. And they're not the government's kids. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question is homeschooling better for black children. And you hear Andrew Tate give his perspective on a an aspect of what is seen to be one of the issues that's pushing the envelope on even the idea of more parents parents wanting to homeschool when you unfortunately allow the politics to get into the schooling. And particularly for the African-American community, uh, there's absolutely the dilemma of is the history being whitewashed and then the aspect of the gender politics or the gender identity being brought into the discussion again we are the best in the world at hard conversations on race sex and culture so the cuts are simply to start and create the dialogue um, leo i'm going to throw it to you first because again as much as we could focus on the specifics of whether you want to homeschool or not whether it's you know what are the pros and cons this is a real aspect for some why some why some parents are concerned about what their children are learning in schools. And so you hear Andrew Tate's perspective saying, hey, leave the children alone. That's kind of how he puts it in context. I know it's not that simple, but your thoughts when it comes to the cultural war that's being fought inside of the public school system, King. Uh, First, let me do a mic check, make sure you can hear me. Yeah, you're good and clear, King. Go ahead. All right, good. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting clip that you played from from Andrew Tate. Obviously, in today's uh, really divisive, hyper-polarized, and, you know, really um, uh, sometimes uh, as, as, as we see politically expedient, a way of getting attention, people are uh, doing things in education that don't belong in education. And that's where this... I heard someone say earlier, much socialization is supposed to happen from the parents. It's sort of like, uh, you know, some people say, look, if you're going to school for love, you're going for the wrong reasons. They love socialization and, and talking about how you interact with the world, um, that starts at home, and it should be primarily done at home. And, and so should um, more, uh, you know, sort of um, what I would consider to be not – uh, typical, atypical types of exposure to things like gender fluidity, et cetera. It's just not relevant. I once had a young man who was like eight years old. He came up to me and he, yeah, he knew that I was working within as a, as, a, as a strategist within the Republican Party. And he said, I'm a Republican. And I said, you're eight years old. When did you last vote? And, and in other <laughs> words... Go ahead. I mean, you know, I, I love your point. And, I, love this, and, and, I love this example. But go ahead. Right. I mean, so some things you you have to just tell kids, no, you're not ready for that discussion. You're you're ready for having a discussion about your values, yeah. But to to pin yourself into you're this or that in an asynchronous way, I mean, that is sometimes people aren't ready. So a lot of the things that are being presented, some of these causes that you know. Um, no matter wh- how small a percentage you might say gender fluidity uh, people represent that discussion, it doesn't really belong in all classrooms. And that's what the advantage of homeschooling has, um, is that you can remove yourself from some of those political battles. And if your child is one that is claiming some gender fluidity, um, then you can, you know, you can deal with that at home as a, as a parent should. 
And what's interesting about all of that, and this is why some of, again, I don't, most of what Andrew Tate says I don't agree with, but, but again, you know, some of the best disinformation is, is some that has some truth, is that the fact is, is that social scientists, both liberal and conservative, have, uh, have all agreed through scientific research that it's a lot of this claim and the stuff that's happening in schools and the necessity of talking about the school is being socialized, that it is not necessarily something that a child is making a free choice about their identity. They're being pressured into certain identities because that's what's currently cool to talk about in certain schools. That's what's happening, and that's the thing that, that parents are rightly concerned about. Um, there's so much rudimentary, there's so much basic critical thinking skill set to develop to develop a rubric, a way of analyzing truth and fiction or success of something, scientific methodology. There's so much um, that we can be learning through literature, et cetera, that can build our ability to, to digest those more controversial currently trending kind of issues, but first you got to get to the foundational stuff. And we're right. spending a lot of time talking right. about things that are, I don't want to say abnormalities, but are definitely not even close to relevant to most people in their learning. And, 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 you, and you just, you ended it with the key thing. You're trying to have the conversation without the foundation of how to think, without the foundation of how to, as you mentioned, to have that difficult conversation. So, so if people are, if, I just want to reiterate this, and I'm going to go to Maryland. But if you're really understanding what Leo just mentioned, it's not even about what he agrees with or doesn't agree with. It's not even that he doesn't want to have the conversation. As he said, it's just where are you having the conversation? When are you having the conversation? And at a minimum the school should equip you with the way to think and critically move through any conversation so that when it is time to have that conversation, it can be done in a productive way. That's what I heard Leo say, regardless of what side of the politics you may be on of that type of um, socialization being brought into schools in the, in the manner that Leo just pointed out. Marilyn, very interested in, again, your thoughts, because, again, this is a big concern for, some, for why some parents want to possibly move away from the homeschooling, because as Leo beautifully pointed out, you definitely can avoid some of that type of stuff at home if you choose to avoid it. I'm not saying people should. It's, I'm not telling people, again, which way to go, but this is a real-life dialogue, and that's what we do here. Your thoughts, Queen? Absolutely. I can scarcely say more than the brother has said already, but just with um, a lot of the families that I interact and work with, that that's a huge concern for them. It's just the it, it seems as if it's a hijacking of education, of what it's supposed to be there for. And so a lot of families, you know, want that freedom to be able to, educate their children about the topics that they feel are relevant to them and relevant to their growth and success. And, you know, that's just not one of the things to most families. There are families who that's important to, who are experiencing, who their children do identify um, with, you know, as transgender or with the LGBTQ. And, again, many of those families are choosing homeschooling as a way to be able to to emphasize and, and, and support their children in those struggles. So I just don't think the school environment is necessarily one that is 
that is supposed to be the conduit for those particular discussions, um, especially because it's so, it's so, I can't even come up with the word, but it's, it's so specific to each family's um, mm-hmm. um, path and journey and for each child. And so bringing that into the school, um, again, you know, certain children who that may not even be their identity, you know, peer pressure comes into play and they feel like that's the direction or, uh, or the role that they have to play in order to fit in. And so they're not actually able to fully express themselves because now they feel like they're anti-something just because that may not be what they identify with. And so uh, a lot of times I've seen children actually be bullied for not, you know, um, su- supporting or identifying with, um, with some kind of LGBTQ identity. Um, and, and, and this happened vice versa. And so it's very important uh, what the brother just said is that there is a time and a place and our schools are just not the place for that, but our homes are, you know, and so, I think, you know, that's why homeschooling is great for, for everyone, including the LGBTQ, because that's the place where they can affirm or, you know, um, whatever it is that they wish to affirm. Now, I respect the thought. Bravo, now, bravo. Now, and, and I want to say this, too. Again, we love having these hard conversations, and we had an excellent conversation last year that I would recommend for anybody who follows the podcast to go look up um, LGBTQIA, why do we need so many letters? And I will say that, the guest I had on there kind of opened my eyes to what my, what is appropriate even in the school setting, despite the opinions that you're hearing now. Again, we like to be fair to those thoughts. If you are someone who thinks there are aspects of that stuff that should be in school, please give us a call. We're welcome. We're open to the opinion. I'll just say that that the reason I bring up that particular show because I feel similar, very similar to you, Marilyn, and don't know that I've moved my stance completely, but I do remember in that dialogue um, um, for guests and some of the callers who were able to represent their perspective, I learned a lot and understood maybe some aspects of where um, where it is appropriate. I can't present that, but I just wanted to be fair and let people know. Go listen to that show, and you will learn a lot about what that looks like. But I love how Marilyn highlighted that at the end of the day, what's a maybe appropriate at school versus what's appropriate at home. At home, you also see plenty of the, if you will, in this for this part of the conversation, LGBTQIA, who are also homeschooling for the very protection and need and education of their children as well. Very fair thoughts, if you will, brother. Um, you still, if you're still hanging on, um, any dialogue again about politicization, politicization moving into education, and why some parents are wanting to homeschool because of it. Your thoughts, King? Are you still there? Hold on, I might have muted you again. Hold on. Are you still live? You're still there, brother. If you um, want to jump in, or maybe we lost him. All right, let's keep this thing moving. I want to share. Um, you know, can, can I jump in real quick? Oh, yeah, yeah, please on, go ahead. On that subject? Yeah, so, please, yeah, I just wanted to just quickly put a face uh, on, you know, you know, I'm doing um, an event at the end of the month talking about education and the creation of black intellectual leadership. And, uh, I mean, you think about some of the people who have been homeschooled from, you know, um, Phyllis Wheatley, you know, no, no better – uh, intellectual mind wow. um, in Western civilization than her uh, and Alex, you know, Haley, the author of Roots, you know, people like Langston Hughes, 
I mean, Cedric Douglas was homeschooled. You know, Serena and Venus Williams were, you know, partly homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Condoleezza Rice was partly homeschooled. And in other words, uh, Tim Tebow, the Florida Gator, was homeschooled. Yep, absolutely. You know? So, yep, so, you're right. So, I in love other those words, examples. I just want to just take a pause and let's put a face on this, this homeschooling it. thing. And, I you know, and, and part of my past, I was also a, um, an administrator. I was an associate dean of college admissions. And we accepted homeschooling, just in case anybody's wondering about that. We, we looked at and we accepted homeschoolers about equal to the rate that we accepted people in traditional schools. Nice. So uh, this, is, this is generally something that can be done in a way that can really lead people to really be able to have a good and impactful life. Now, I appreciate you putting that face on it. We're going to go to a commercial. we got another caller that wants to jump in, so we'll get to the caller. Um, out of um, 502, we'll get to you coming out of the break and the cut. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Vincent Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. What happens when your customers call your business and you're too busy to answer or call them back in a timely manner? You lose that business. Shockingly, 61% of inbound calls go unanswered. But fear not, tchmedia.ai is here to change the game. We specialize in capturing, nurturing, and converting your prospects into loyal customers. With our state-of-the-art communication solutions, no interaction will be left behind. When you miss a call, we've got you covered with automatic, engaging texts that keep your prospects connected and eager to choose you over your competitors. Don't let potential customers slip away. Make the smart choice with tchmedia.ai and skyrocket your conversions today. tchmedia.ai is here to change the game. People defending this idea of avoiding divisive concept in schools is this man the first African-American Republican to serve in the Alabama State House in nearly 150 years. Did you have black voters, politicians, colleagues on the other side call you a sellout for supporting this? Uh, Unfortunately, that's sad. Uh, That's not a word that you are unfamiliar with. Well, no, I'm not. He says he applauds black homeschool families for making a choice that they feel is best for their children, but reminds them that not everyone is in a position to teach their kids themselves. Before I became an elected official, I spent the last 11 years as uh, advocating for parental rights, for example. So definitely support that parent choice to make that. Uh, but also I would love to challenge parents. If you do see that. Uh, parents see the whitewashing. Well, if they see anything that they feel is, is inappropriate in, in our school settings, you know, you can take your child removed from that setting and it's good for your family. But look at the bigger picture, you know, uh, also bring it to someone's attention. Anyone who might say, you know, you're privileged to be able to teach your children this way. What do you say to those folks? Well, to, I honestly do think that I am privileged. And I tell my husband all the time, I'm grateful that we had the opportunity to do this. And I would say I don't want people to judge other people. Whatever decision they're making for their household, that's for their family. Repetition. The Thomases say it's very likely they will teach both kids at home through high school and say it's a decision that doesn't come easy. Do you get tired? I do get tired. Oh, last week I was saying, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to tell you what I said. Why am I doing this again? Why am I homeschooling? Why am I saying it? Like, am I called to do this? Like, questioning myself because you do get tired. And then I have to stop. 
or I call a friend that I know I can call, <laughs> call you know, a phone a friend. <laughs> hey, this is how, because I need to vent that out of me. Absolutely. We don't need to hold that. Like, I don't have to act like I got it all together. Hey, this is what I feel like today. I need you to help me mentally in my brain. This is what's going on. You love your children. I do love my children. I, I do. I... Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, is homeschooling better for black children? Again, we're talking about this in all aspects and all dynamics as you hear a cut from a mother who proudly and happily homeschools but talks about the reality of how difficult it can be as well. We got another caller that wants to jump in, area code 502, last 3283. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents or question on this morning's discussion. Hey, what's going on? This is Brent. Hey, what's up, B-Funk? What you got for us, King? Thanks for calling in this morning. What you got? No doubt. I love the discussion and love this topic. You know, I'm very passionate about education, and I've always appreciated the the value of of, uh, the option to do homeschooling if families can do it. I think the mother just kind of spoke to one of the challenges is really tough to do, you know, and it is a privilege to be able to, to have that option. Um, but one of the points I wanted to touch on was we, the last segment we were talking about the politicization of uh, uh, different topics in school, LGBT uh, or social, uh, sexual identity, um, uh, whether it's politics or, or whatever. The, I don't know. I, I think teachers catch a bad, and I'm hard on teachers. I believe they they have a lot of things that they can do to uh, to uh, or they have a huge responsibility to prepare America for for its greatness uh, every day when these kids walk in the door with every face. Um, but I do think they get vilified in the school system. Get vilified sometimes with politicizing things that 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 come more natural in the socialization that, of of the classroom than what they think is happening in textbooks or what might be said is happening in textbooks and things like that. For example, an experience that I had in a school district was uh, we had a teacher. Hold on one second. I don't know if that's you or, okay. Uh, Are you still there? Okay, somebody dropped and it kind of had a little um, interference. Go ahead and finish, King. But I was going to say a teacher who – uh, had not expressed her sexual identity in the school was uh, asked what she was doing for Valentine's Day, and she was going to dinner with um, with her uh, partner Tracy. Well, that's obviously for I ain't gonna say obviously, but the question came up: kids are curious about that teacher's experience or, or just who who they talking to every day. They didn't know she was gay. They asked questions. And that turned into someone felt uncomfortable in the classroom, went home, and, and the mother came in and said, this is what we teach our kids in school. This is not the place. Our teachers are in extremely intimate situations at school. We don't want them to be robots. We want them to teach kids how to socialize in school. And, and I, I just I don't want to make a big point. Uh, I don't have a huge, huge point on what we're talking about because I think everything is uh, – uh, uh, I think all the discussion was great. But I will say that – uh, on, at the uh, micro level, these teachers are in extremely intimate situations with our kids every day, and I don't want them to be robots. And, and part of kids learning about the world is sometimes through the eyes 
of those teachers for six hours a day, um, uh, six hours of their uh, 18 hours of waking life um, uh, uh, for these kids, that that is an important perspective. And uh, I agree. I'm down here in Florida, and I'm down here in Florida now, and I don't think uh, a, a place like this teachers are afraid to talk about their evening at home with their kids because they might be locked up for it. And I think that's too far. Hey, I love that point. I'm glad you brought it to the table, King. Um, excellent point. Um, at the end of what I hear that brother saying is just the empathy for understanding humanness and natural conversation, as he just pointed out, that absolutely a lot of learning takes place from having experiences with other adults to include the teachers who intimately have a lot of time with your children, especially in the younger years when they don't rotate teachers and things of that nature. And so I I do appreciate that thought that in this dialogue of figuring out uh, in specifically at the public school education where this stuff is being argued, if you will, just that consideration for what makes sense based on reality versus just demonizing someone simply because we, we, we lack the, the understanding of the human experience within that context. So I actually appreciate that thought from um, Brent, if you will. Uh, Marilyn, um, I'm just going to kind of let you j- jump in here. Um, I will actually had something I wanted to kind of share. Speaking of Florida, um, if you will, um, but I want to—I just want to make sure I—if uh, you had any thoughts you wanted to share before I, I share this piece, um, if you had a quick thought you might have wanted to share based on what you've been hearing so far. Um, no, the last brother made a good point: is that uh, you know, teachers and the people that our children are exposed to—they're human. They have their own backgrounds and things like that, and so um, it's a—it's a very definitive line that we walk in making sure that um, that we're allowing for that to be an open space where they can learn about, you know, the people who they're intimately involved with their lives, but without politicizing it to a point where um, that's what they're being educated about. Yeah, teachers are, you know, out here being afraid, and a lot of teachers are afraid. So definitely thank you for that point, um, Brent. So I'm going to share a, a part of an article um, Um, Brother Leo from Kevin King, um, mutual um, acquaintance of ours. Um, Speaking of Brent calling from Florida, obviously Florida's been in the news on this education thing, and he highlighted, Brother um, Kevin King highlighted this in his article. I'm reading a portion of his article, so I'll kind of let you um, respond. I'm going to give my thoughts, and I'll let you respond as well. Um, And this is in reference to some of the changes in the um, um, curriculum, particularly in the state of Florida. He says, as a product of Georgia's public school system, I was fortunate enough to receive an education that touched upon the history of enslaved and free blacks in America. However, like many others, I always thirsted for a deeper, more comprehensive understanding of my ancestors' journey in America. Recently, Florida's academic standards for social studies attempted to do this, but unintentionally stirred up controversy nationwide due to how the following excerpt from their curriculum has been interpreted. Examine, this is a quote, start quote, examine the various duties and trades performed by slaves, example, agricultural work, painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic service, blacksmithing, transportation, benchmark clarification, clarification number one, instruction includes how slaves develop skills that in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit, end quote. Then he goes on. Kevin goes on to write this. Even though the above is a known fact and has been discussed in black families for years, 
this curriculum should enrich not just the lives of those black students, but also enrich the lives of those who aren't having these conversations at home, plus providing valuable insight but respect for the journey of enslaved black Americans. The essence of this curriculum lies not only in its accuracy, but also in its ability to draw clear connections between American history and the black American experience. These two narratives are intertwined and inseparable, and acknowledging this union is essential to understanding the full scope of our nation's past. Booker T. Washington, a former slave and the visionary behind Tuskegee University, eloquently highlighted the, this interconnectedness in his renowned autobiography, Up From Slavery. Among the key takeaways from his story is the recognition that enslaved blacks possess certain practical skills but lack administrative slash literacy and business acumen, while their owners often receive, taught, or gain to mir- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, while their owners often had the reverse skill set. By acknowledging that certain skills, either forcibly received, taught, or gained to merely survive, were generally acquired by the enslaved population, the curriculum in Florida sheds lights on the resilient aspect that is too often dismissed. So let me share my own thoughts before I let you jump in, um, Brother Leo. So when I first read this, I, um, and Brother Kelvin had sent it to me, and he said he wanted to get my perspective, and I replied back that I thought it was extremely short-sighted when I initially read it, and as I was, I was preparing this morning, it actually, I actually see it in a completely different light. So initially when I thought it was short-sighted, I actually was triggered by the thing that, you know, the actual quote that he applied that um, developed skills that in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit uh, that's kind of what drove the in a sense the controversy like look at what they're going to do in Florida or whatever and when I saw that in a sense enslaved Africans even with enslaved you know within slavery whatever were able to use the skill sets for their personal benefit that word triggered me and I was like this is super short-sighted because if you're not attaching it to someone who's actually made history um, which is hard to do as, as humans to actually make history. So if it's not attached to a particular person, I don't see the benefit of just highlighting that their skills will provide personal benefit. So that's why I told him I thought it was extremely short-sighted. However, when I put in perspective that this was the layout of how they would set up the curriculum in the event that they are going to attach, and, I, and I've had this on my show years ago, um, brother, um, we, had, we did a show specifically on um, ancestors who were businessmen throughout history inside, you know, throughout in, 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 in America. And uh, some of them had done exactly what this curriculum said. They were able to negotiate a com- negotiate with their owner to own some of their own land, almost sharecropping before sharecropping became a thing, if you will. And some of them were able to buy their freedom due to some of their farming that they were able to do on the side. And so I remember when I had Mr. Jim Klingman share those stories. I don't remember the names as I should, but he was highlighting particular people who had done those things. And I remember the sense of pride to know that our ancestors had had that type of resilience or, you know, some were able to thrive even during that time. And I realized that the curriculum is actually making room for those examples. But when I read it as a quote, as something that a student might see in general, I thought it was short-sighted. So I'm just highlighting that in my thinking about this actual piece, I was able to come full circle in reference to the 
the, the concerns that parents naturally have about what will their children be taught when it comes to race. I'm not saying I have this exactly right, but I am willing to admit my transition as I reread this piece. Leo, um, I'm going to forego the break because I, thought, I think this is very important when it comes to talking about black children and homeschooling our children specifically. Any thoughts on what you just heard, if that makes sense? Well, and I appreciate, um, Brother Smith, that you are a human being who is also um, able to consider something that someone said within the context of where you are in that place and time when you received it, and then later being in another place and time and having different stimuli impacting you as you consider something, maybe having even a different perspective. In other words, uh, things are nuanced enough that you can have various perspectives about something. But I'm going to throw a wrench in it, and I might make you go back the other way. I'm not going to try to make you go back the other way, but I just consider this. Consider this. The system of slavery helped generations of white people acquire the skills of dehumanizing people into commodities like chattel so that they could learn how to profit in a new world for economic development. These were good skills. Right. Nobody would agree. I mean, no one would agree that. And I guarantee you, in the context of why Kevin wrote that article, he didn't write that article two years ago. He wrote that article during this political, hyper-politicized culture mm-hmm. war that politics is inserting itself into education. And Kevin is a candidate. You know, he's run, he just recently ran for Senate. He has um, office aspirations. Again, consider sources. I'm not saying anything negative about Ken, Kelvin, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that we should consider the motivations for people to bring, uh, to address certain issues. Kelvin did not add that DeSantis has an equal responsibility if he's going to talk about what skills were acquired during education, uh, during, um, during uh, slavery, then the skill of dehumanizing people for profit were also taught and, 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 and transferred to future generations of white people. But Kelvin didn't put that in his art. Just going to land it there. No, absolutely. And again, that's, this is where we do the dialogues. Again, I was just willing to, as you said, give my own personal nuance um, to be as one fair as possible. But to your point, ultimately, um, you know, I don't necessarily land with the unintentional aspect that he put this unintentional controversy because at the end of the day, Brother Ank always talks about that. Brother Ank, you're still on the line, so I'm going to let you jump in if you're back with us or whatever. But you've always talked about the purpose of history. And at the end of the day, the, the, when you break down history to his story, naturally it's going to be told from that perspective or as people have said, have heard the old saying, um, history is, you know, told from the viewpoint of the victim. The victorious, if you will. And so um, Brother Unk always talks about when you understand how history is used within all cultures, it is a really a political tool to culturally encourage those who are in your group to be willing to fight and defend this which you call ours. That is the proper use of history, but in that politicization, it gets misused quite often. And to your point, Leo, being done at this current time. Um, Brother Ankh, are you with me at this point? Because I know I reached out to you earlier. I want to see if you're still with us. 
All right, he may be tied up. All right, um, let me get my sister Jendaya in on this thing because I'm pretty sure she has some thoughts on what she just heard. Any thoughts, Queen? I'm going to jump you back in this thing before, and we're not doing the resources yet, but just kind of getting your three cents as you listen in. Jendaya, you're live if you want to rock with us. Just wanted to see if you had anything to add to the conversation. Oh, indeed, yeah. indeed. No, sir. I don't have anything to add uh, okay, to just that particular it. piece. All right, just checking. All right, so let me play one last cut that's going to, again, I just think fully addresses perspective. And this goes back to Marilyn and Leo's perspective about what education is for. So I want to jump it outside of the U.S., throw kind of a monkey wrench into the dialogue, which I think will give us a perspective of what we're talking about when it comes to understanding the purpose of education, whether you are a parent deciding to homeschool, keep your child in the, your child in the public school system, I think this will add um, some perspective. So let me take care of my sponsor and play this cut very briefly. So it will be a quick sponsorship and then a cut. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Eh, a little bit here and there, but, but my wife definitely loves her. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wine. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like me a good red or, or maybe a nice dipping gel or something. Okay, try this sweet red first. Hmm. Okay, that's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. That's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey, now try this Conjure Sippendale. This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top 10 drink for the summer. See what you think. Oh, okay. Now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to SippendaleWines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on too. Oh, yeah? Okay, you said what? SippendaleWines.com? Is that it? Yep. Bad. There's a German kid right now as you and I speaking. Subject Daike Mining. But when you look at his continent, wherever he comes from, there's no minerals underground. But the boys and girls are being taught about mining and minerals. Me and you, there was no subject called mining in high school. What mining were you taught in high school? What's the process to start a mine? Just tell me basics of mining. But mining is a strong pillar, probably amongst the strongest pillars of our economy. So that means that there's a child in, in Germany somewhere that's being prepared in Asia somewhere that's being prepared to come and run this economy while your kids are being prepared to come and work for those German kids that are going to come here in the future. Because your kids are being taught uh, uh, how, to, how to do nonsense, how to label an insect. Listen, our economy in this country, it's agriculture. Our economy in this country, I can, I can even break down what agriculture is. Mining. Manufacturing. Manufacturing. Why aren't those things primary subjects in, in primary school, in high school? So that you've got a basic understanding of your own economy. That means some people must come from somewhere to run this economy. Because your kids were never taught anything about this economy. So signed to continue systematic slavery and suppress the people of the day and, and make sure that the future belongs to those who are prepared for it. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. In the cut, um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to figure out, I think I saw it on IG, I wasn't able to figure out specifically what country that brother was, but I'm pretty sure people can at least pick up on the accent 
um, but what country it was within Africa. But he's just highlighting um, his perspective of what he feels like, if you will, what should be taught in the schools within his country. And you hear a very passionate thoughts on that. I'm going to jump it right back to you, Leo, then to you, Marilyn. Um, but in that passion, and, and we'll quite often have those dialogues, right, it, it, even in this country from the standpoint of, you know, why are you not taught to balance a checkbook in high school? Why are you not taught credit in high school? Uh, but it takes us all the way back to a point you made, Leo, when you understand what, one, not only what the law requires, but ultimately what public education was set up for. And at the end of the day, businesses run countries, businesses run politics. And so it is very common that your public school education will prepare your children at a minimum to work for the businesses that and the industries that run your particular country. So as passionate and as much as I love what that brother had to say, I would offer that's a misunderstanding a lot of us have about the purpose of public education. And so even when he's highlighting that other kids from other countries are being taught and come there to run those industries, I would offer that those kids are being, that is being done at the higher education level. If I had to guess, I have not been to China, I have not been to German, Germany, but I don't think their public school education is leading them to become industry leaders in mining, if you will. So I'm trying to make a yeah. real distinct distinction that we quite often miss, even when we misunderstand public education for what it really and truly is. Your thoughts, King? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that I'm reminded of one of the quintessential thought leaders in civilization, um, Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King, and he's overquoted and oftentimes misappropriately uh, quoted. Uh, if we're not careful, our colleges and our schools will produce a group of closed-minded, unscientific, illogical propagandists consumed with immoral acts. Um, and, and then to say that in 1948 and then to have what we're dealing with all over the globe, um, the fact that people are not being given scientific education in the way that they can take advantage of uh, what the earth and the universe provides for them to uh, sustain themselves. Um, it's incredible, and, and he is so right. It wouldn't surprise me if that brother might be um, from one of the African countries, uh, uh, the, the continent, uh, and he may be from Nigeria, where uh, lots of mining is happening from through China, um, mm -hmm. and China is going in and doing a lot of mining, and a lot of the uh, resources and the elements that we need in order to live this modern life, um, from technology to cars mm -hmm. to batteries to whatever, um, that, that work is being done and is not being done by people indigenous to the continent, and they're not being able to, to, to take advantage of the economic opportunity that comes from that. He's speaking truth to that because he's pointing out what I said, that you know, education all over the world is meant to sort of allow a few that have to continue to have by having people who, not knowing how to create their own have, um, become part of their having. And, uh, and that's what he's speaking of. It doesn't matter where you are. It's happening all over the world. And so being aware of that is your first step to realizing how the game is playing, how the corporate have, have uh, really set up something that in the long run, if they continue to say we're going to create a, a, a class of people who are prey to our greed and to our desire to own everything, 
um, we're going to create that class. Eventually, that class is going to show up at the doors of capitalism with pitchforks. And that class won't just be people of color. We're seeing more and more that white mm-hmm. Americans, too, are starting to see that, wait a minute, there's an elite that teaches themselves one thing, like balancing a checkbook, how compounding interest works, da-da-da-da-da, teaches themselves one thing, how, how hedge funds are created and mm-hmm. how you can take advantage of, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, they're seeing that even white Americans are getting angry. That's one of the reasons why Donald Trump rose to, to, to his populism is because Absolutely. he took advantage of white angst about the fact that they feel like they're being left out of the system and uh, a, a prosperity. This is happening all over the world, um, and, and that's why we're in this, this, this critical period where folks are starting to wake up a little bit and challenge this idea that public education is supposed to create this person who has the ability to exercise their freedom and liberty in the world. We're learning more and more. That's a should. That's a should. That's a should. That is not a, what, a, a statement of what's actually happening. Yeah, absolutely not. And, Marilyn, I think this is a beautiful opportunity to highlight, as you have on this show before, the beauty of homeschooling, if you do have the ability or can do that, is that, as, as, as Leo says, we may have this concept of what the school should be doing, but that is the beauty and control that you absolutely do have when you homeschool your child. Then it could be, you know, four hours that's required, as you said, of, I know, not so much as you said, but that's legally required of the, the, the basics or whatever, but you have the beauty and the opportunity to ensure your child is ahead of the game, goes to college already knowing how to balance a chess, check, checkbook, whereas the average um, if you will, 12-year graduate may not have obtained that skill if they wasn't taught it by their parents. So I think it's a beautiful opportunity to talk about how homeschool can do the should better than a public school ever could or even to do because by requirement, as Leo keeps pointing out, they're not required to do it at all. Your thoughts, Queen? All right, did I lose both Sister Marilyn? Or she may be on. Are you on mute, man? Uh-oh, can you hear me? Yep, yeah, you muted yourself. Yeah, I muted myself. Um, yeah, I have quite a bit to say about that. I wanted to start off with a quote from John Delgado. And John Delgado was an educator of 30 years in the New York City public school system and teacher of the year. And he eventually went on to be pro-homeschool because he believed that the system was not created to be supportive of the actual success of the masses. And he wrote an essay called Against School. And in one piece it says the actual purpose of modern schooling can be broken down into six basic functions. I'm going to run through them. One was the adjustive or adaptive function. Two was the integrative function. Three was the diagnostic and directive function. The differentiating function, selective, and then the propagative function. I'm going to focus on that last one, where it says the societal system implied by these rules will require an elite group of caretakers. To that end, a small fraction of the kids will quietly be taught how to manage this continuing project, how to watch over and control a population deliberately dumbed down and declawed in order that government might proceed unchallenged and corporations might never want for obedient labor. And so that is, um, if you want to read the whole thing, it's Against School by John Taylor Gatto. Um, but one of the things that that really drives for me is the purpose, my purpose, and I believe what our collective purpose is um, in home education and homeschooling or unschooling is because 
black children cannot be educated with the same purpose as white children because we can't exist in the same way as white children. The system is inherently set up to uphold white supremacy. And when we leave the education of black children in the hands of an inherently white supremacist system, we leave them to be educated, really indoctrinated into maintaining their own subjugation. White children are really just simply learning to be maintainers of their position in society um, because the system already serves them. But black children, we have to learn or teach them to basically be revolutionary. And they have to learn to work not just for their own individual advancement, but for the advancement of the whole. And so that's why us having some kind of, you know, power, not just about getting jobs, um, but about survival as a people. You know, it can't be about individualism, not just one person getting a good job at Google or moving up the ladder at Tesla or something like that, but positioning ourselves to gain control of and access to resources and money. And there's billions out there within these industries uh, and use it for our own advancement. There's so many industries out there. We, we talked about mining, you know, the tech industry. And despite us having the economic worth of, like, the ninth or tenth richest country in the world, and despite us as a people coming from, like, the richest continent and resources on the planet, we are in a really unsafe position. You know, we have, like, no stakes in any of these industries. We have no power or control in any of these industries that make money off of our backs every day. And so, you know, what the guy in the clip was saying, he sounds like he's South African, is that our children are not being educated to have a real stake in in the future of the economy and the future of their country, you know, and they're not being educated to have a real stake in, in having any control. I'm Nigerian, and there's in China is has Nigeria in a, in a chokehold, you know, with, you know, with, with the industry. And mm-hmm. a video went to our community recently where school children, about seven years old school children, were being taught Igbo, which is my language. So if school children are being taught a Nigerian language, what purpose do Chinese children have for learning Igbo? You know, it's not for them being prepared to eventually come in and take over in the industry there. Wow. So, you know, it may seem... Like, it, it may seem unreal, but there are plenty of places where children in, 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 in China and Japan and Europe are actually being proactively prepared to go into the continent and be able to control all the resources there. You know, and so, you know, to me, that's just, you know, one of the pieces that I will say is no, a huge important factor in why we homeschool. No, it absolutely makes sense and makes sense from the standpoint of, like you said, why you homeschool, because you can make sure you're doing that with your children. I'm going to go to another caller here real quick. 202, last three, 663, give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion or your question. Hey, good morning, Smith. This house. Hey, what's up, big house? What you got for us, King? Yeah, jump in where you fit in. Man, real uh... – I, I am a proud public school graduate, went to public school in college, and um, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of public schooling with household support. See, the thing is, what I, and, and the, the way I taught my kids is I sent them to school to learn, to, to get the discipline to be able, because I'm not with them eight hours of the day. I believe you go to school. You learn to li- you you sit you listen you learn the discipline to get what you need to get to to pass the assignment that you're given because that that's gonna teach you number one how to go to work 
get your assignment and do what you're supposed to do. But if there's anything that conflicts with what you think or what you know or what you've already been taught, you bring that home. You bring it to me as the, and I give you, I, I give you the real truth of of what you're being taught. It's happened so many different times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not it, it's not a either or. It's not a either completely homeschool or completely send my mm-hmm. kids to school and let them learn um, from from un, unfortunately some of these inapt teachers because the the teachers today didn't have the passion to teach the children like the teachers that we had coming up 30 years ago. I mean, the teachers that I had back in the day, they cared about the fact that I understood what they were teaching and uh, uh, about globalization and, and things of that nature, stuff that I'm getting in public school, went to a good public school. Um, but in, 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 in my whole estimation, one plus one is still two in every school that I go to, that every school that I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a matter of it, it it's a matter of I think the parent when the children get home to be able to reinforce counter what their child has learned during that eight to ten hour day or however how long they've been in school. Uh and I want to squeeze this part in. So socialization is important. When the kid when when your child can actually go to school and be able to relate to people across the myriad of, of, of socioeconomical stat, uh, standings. I went to school with kids that I went to school with rich kids, 10th graders driving Cadillacs to school, but I also went to school with cats that lived in shacks. So across the board, I learned how to deal with everybody. That person that drove the Cadillac, I didn't see them as being better than me, but I did not see myself as being better than that dude that lived in a shack that I that I took home. That I think is a is an important part of what people miss when they keep when when they silo their children. And I may have a I, I may have a myopic thought, a myopic view of homeschooling, but that's something that I don't think homeschool kids really see. They don't see the they, they don't see the, the the gambit the the, the gambit of man these, these folks are, are dirt poor and this cat ain't eating. To this dude, eat bringing caviar to lunch. So yeah, I, uh, yeah. Thank you for the th- now. Thank you for your full three cents, brother. If you will, um, again, we welcome all the perspectives, and I would highlight on your latter point that 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 could absolutely be the risk if parents are not intentional about giving their children that experience. Whereas I think what I hear you saying that in public school, more than likely, it's quite possible that you would have experienced some of that and you felt personally that there was a benefit. The best thing that I just to kind of throw this out real quick that you highlighted and brother Leo pointed this out is the parent involvement. Obviously I know you brother and, and, and proud of both of your sons. I know one of your sons just um, followed in your footsteps into the air force to highlight and give you props on that brother. Um, but I just highlight uh, part of the reason I asked you to, you know, get in on this show was because I knew you know, as you said, that you might, in a sense, have that myopic view. But I also wanted to highlight that something that, I, again, that I pointed out at the very beginning of the show, at a minimum, we are required to supplement our children's education in the way that you're talking about, and especially for parents who feel like they cannot take on homeschooling, even though they might want to. So I did not want that perspective to be left out of this conversation. So thank you for your three cents, King. No problem. I'm a good man. All right, appreciate you, brother. All right, we just, this show is rolling, y'all. 
I'm going to try to share this piece from my book, Re-Education of the Negro. I think it's a n- nice little wrap-up. Think about a lot of what we said. Uh, for those who don't know, I do have a, a book that I released in March called Re-Education of the Negro, Necessary Conversations on Race, Sex, and Culture. So I'm always trying to bring it to the show uh, when there's an opportunity. And this is it's, it's short commentaries to have dialogue. So hopefully I can read through this kind of quickly. Montoya. Oh, yeah, please, Leo, go ahead, please. Before you share that, I just want to just uh, vibe off of something the brother that said. First of all, congratulations to him for raising his children into the ability to be producers and leaders in society. And that is the primary responsibility of the parent is mm-hmm. to make an assessment of who your child might be, not who they are, and make sure that whatever they might be that is maximized for what they desire. And that means that you give them the kind of education that gives them a choice on the type of worker or type of creator or a type of person in society that they want to be. And, and so that is essentially what a parent's role is when it comes to education, educating your children, not to even, you have to be careful about even pushing them into a way of living or a trade or whatever that you think is just a political economy or a social economy. But also you want to make sure that they have tons of options to make the choice that's right for them, and that, what, that's what a good education does. The other thing, just before you read your good quote, is that, again, I want to point out that there is no evidence, <laughs> there are no good studies that consistently show that homeschool kids are, are less socially capable mm-hmm. than non-homeschool kids. Right. Uh, it's really important to say that socialization doesn't just happen in a traditional school setting. And we can say that socialization does happen in public school settings, and that's, that's important, and it does. But socialization can happen in after-school activities and taking your child to a play date. Um, there's all kinds of ways socialization happens, and a homeschool child can be as socialized as any other child. No, I love it. So what I'll do, uh, just for the sake of time, um, I want um, Marilyn to kind of give a thought, and I'm going to close the show. So for anybody out there listening online, you may may not hear the close because of the way the, um, the Internet works or whatever, but it will be on the replay. Um, but if you will, Marilyn, any um, kind of final thought from you, let people know how they can stay in contact. Um, and Brother Leo, if you want to let people know how they can stay in contact with you, you can do that as well. But go ahead, uh, Marilyn, and I'll close the show with my actual piece from my book. Absolutely. My name is Marilyn Aldoini. You can find me on Facebook. Um, our Facebook group, the community, is Unschooling While Black. Um, we're also on Twitter and Instagram as Unschooling While Black. So you can link up with me or DM me any, any of those. Um, we do have the Black Unschooling Summit that happens um, semi-annually. And if you're interested in being a part of that or participating in any way, we offer resources to black families who want to get into unschooling or want some resources for advancing their unschooling journey or their homeschooling journey. Um, You can reach out to us for any of those purposes. And I'm just grateful to be on the show. Thanks for having me and for the other wonderful guests that were on this morning. Well, absolutely. Let me shoot the Jendaya real quick. I know she has some resources she wanted to provide as well. So, Jendaya, if you can make it quick, so I got to leave a little room for Leo to be on the actual, the actual um, show, and then I'm gonna close the show with my thoughts. So, wait, oh, tell those resources you got out there, Jendaya. Thank you for being on this morning. Indeed, indeed. Um, they are Kamali Academy. Um, they help with like homeschool curriculum. 
um, as well as physical resources. So that's K-A-M-A-L-I, Uhuru Academy, which is out of the Carolinas, U-H-U-R-U, Ayaya Educational Institute out of ATL. They do online and in person. And then there's also a Whole Living Academy. And I'll also drop those in the comments underneath the thread. All right, sounds good. Brother Leo, any public information before I close the show with my piece? No, if you wanted to reach me, you can reach me through um, atlantaclassical.org. My email address and everything is on there on the board of directors. Um, also on uh, uh, Instagram, Leo Smith Politics. I'm doing an event at the end of October, and if you want to learn more about that, keep an eye on Leo Smith Politics on Instagram. I love it. If you're on the phone lines, you will continue to hear this. If you're online, you will have to hear this piece in the replay. This piece comes again from my book, Re-Education of the Negro, and the piece is called Black Socrates Speaks, These Kids Today. One statement you'll never hear me say is these kids today. I'd rather listen to people say these parents today. That which we criticize in the young only reflect what we adults have taught them or have failed to teach them. One day we will reconcile how important our story, history, is to have a true sense of self. And until then, our path as African Americans is steadily pacing on the road to perish. Learning about history naturally bridges the gap from the past to what you can do in the future. We often discuss how too many of our African American children are limited in their future aspirations, but that comes directly from a lack of exposure, not only in their daily experiences, but in most cases from never hearing about the greatness of their ancestry. All humans subconsciously surmise that anything done previously can be done again and built upon in the future. However, African American children are rarely shown any history beyond the enslavement period and the civil rights era in America. They'd never heard of Madison Washington, leader of the most successful enslaved African revolt in U.S. history. They don't know our queens, Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker, were as vital and equal to Martin Luther King in the Civil Rights Movement. They never heard the names of African leaders and freedom fighters, Patrice Lumumba or Stephen Biko. Resistance is in their blood, but they don't know why. Yet we reprimand them, myself included, when they resist without demands or an end game, i.e. Ferguson, NFL boycott, etc., how, how is it not mandatory for every black church to, I'm sorry, how is it not mandatory for every black church to laud the teachings of Marcus Garvey or Hubert, Hubert Harrison? The answer is because for as much as we hold Martin and Malcolm in high regard, we often fail to heed their teachings as a collective. As Malcolm said, only a fool would let his enemy teach his children. Today, many of us will hear that quote and get hug up on the word enemy because we're unaware that our American education makes us think, I don't want to make white people my enemy, only to become the reverse of what was done to us. Therefore, we will disregard educating our own children, whether in an African-centered school or as parents doing the legwork to heavily supplement the public school education that will only provide them an African-American studies as an elective at the college level. When psychological in- Psychological implicit bias studies show that 50% of black people are biased against other black people. Miseducation is the enemy. The the miseducation inherently hidden within public school education confuses students about what white supremacy really is. These kids today will quickly knock out an openly alt-right peer, same as I would as a child, but as adults, we teach them to never resort to violence due to their own upbringing. Due to our miseducation, 
We fail to teach them how irrelevant openly racist people are today in society. Whenever a systemic issue rears its ugly head, whether a Mike Brown slash Freddie Gray situation or the ongoing violence in Chicago, some adults want to march and the kids want to burn shit down. We never stop to consider our methods have left them in a world in which they think they must resort to violence to be heard, and that is definitely on us. Just my three cents. All I ask is that you think. See y'all next Saturday.